from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie So. We have a great music show for you this hour called Just the Classics. But first, join us for Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It's Wednesday, August 5th, and in the studio of Shirley Lin. Hello. Paula Chow. Hello. And I am Natalie So. We'll be talking about President Lee Dunhui, our late president's pet beef project that may be coming to fruition this year, and also a model father who's been in the news as we get ready for Father's Day. And at Taiwan's oldest bookstore, and a 98-year-old grandma who's addicted to video games, but in a good way. Those stories and more coming right up. Okay, well, our late President Lee Dunhui has been in the news. People have been looking back on his life. Um, he has made a major contribution to Taiwan's road to democracy, which most people know about. He actually met with the student leaders of the Wild Lily student movement, and that really ushered in democracy. And just six years later, after that meeting, he became the first directly uh, elected president in Taiwan, which is pretty exciting. But um, one interesting thing in the news that came out is that actually he has this beef project um, Paula, you did a video about that. Can you tell us about this? Yes, he, um, you know, he was interested in, um, you know, helping raise Taiwan's, um, you know, cattle. That's because that's his specialty. His specialty is agriculture economics. So I guess he likes beef. He wants to make sure that Taiwan is able to uh, to raise um, cattle that will produce beef with quality that is as good as Japan's premium uh, wagyu beef. Yeah, so that would be a big breakthrough to for the beef industry in Taiwan. And apparently this year, by the end of the year, they're going to test that project. So they have some cattle that they've been raising. And, you know, I looked online to see what is it about Wagyu beef that is so special? Because mm. it's very expensive. Mm. And it looks kind of like marble. It's really beautiful. I mean, beautiful in that all the fat layers, you know, are it's kind evenly, of like, yes, yeah, but... like a marble design. And each calf and each cow is treated very special they have their own birth certificate mm-hmm. they have their they're named instead of like usually they get just have numbers they're named and they're cross breeds between native breeds they have to be reared and fed according to strict guidelines they are grazed on pasture in a certain way and the calves are fed a milk replacer by hand oh and they get to wear jackets during cold oh. weather. <laughs> okay. They are indeed very special. They have a special diet of rice straws and whole crop silage and concentrate. And they are allowed to grow for three years up to 700 kilograms, which is about twice as long as normal cows, oh. normal beef. 
There is one producer who does feed his cattle local craft beer and occasionally massages his cows. But doesn't mean that every Wagyu cow <laughs> has gotten that special treatment. So mm. I think it's interesting that our late president actually wants to produce the same quality premium beef in Taiwan. I think that would be pretty exciting if it worked out. Sounds like they're happier cows that way. <laughs> really? So there's probably like less toxins, right? Or probably. it's probably better for you. I'm I'm sure they're fed organic food and feeds and stuff. I I suppose. Right. right. You had some wagyu beef before, right, Shirley? What did it taste like? Okay, so it's um, from this place that we order like once every week, right? And uh, I mean, at RTI in the English service. And so I, I know that Andrew and I, you know, we ordered tried that. Yeah, tried what the, was the it? smaller portion uh-huh. because it's quite expensive, you know. And to be honest, I don't taste anything different. Was it sliced very thin? Like, uh, what was. Well, I was just like sliced? normally sliced beef slices, uh-huh. you know, over rice and with a bit of um, soy sauce or something like that, some kind of sauce. Did it taste more fatty, more tender? I. I didn't. You don't remember. I honestly don't feel much of a difference. <laughs> okay, it's not a good commercial for Wagyu. <laughs> you know. But this has so. got me really curious. Now I want to try it, but I don't know how expensive they are. They're really yeah. expensive, right? Yeah, I mean, we ordered a smaller, smaller portion, which is 120 uh, NT, uh-huh. and it, it it doesn't fill you for for a meal. Not enough. I mean, just like just just about just right. Just a few pieces. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, it was more than just a few pieces, but it was there was rice with it and oh, some okay. and like broccoli with it, you know. So I have but, to try um, it next time. Yeah, and you can <laughs> give it a try and see if you can tell any difference. So I know that they do do use it in hot pots, and they I think it would taste oh, good yeah. in hot pots because there's a lot of fat in there. And, and right. I think you taste it more, it more that way because right. it's just cooked in you know hot hot uh, stock, and then you can taste the original flavor. I would think. I would think. Yeah. Not, not the heard, way I had it. I heard they're not quite that good as steaks actually it's better to eat them thinly sliced like mm, the hot mm, pots mm. but yeah. anyways um we're looking forward to our pet project uh, late president lee's pet project hopefully that'll turn out just as tasty okay this saturday is father's day so fathers are in the news and um, Taiwan usually gives out awards for model fathers and mothers, you know, around this time during the holidays. So tell us about this model father who made the news. Okay, in the northeastern county of Yilan, uh, 22 model father received an award. One of them is a guy who is 66 years old and um when he turned 60, then that was six years ago, he decided to retire just to take care of his elder son because his son uh, was, um, you know, diagnosed with a cerebral palsy when he was born. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so actually, not just for six years, actually for, the, for his lifetime, this father, you know, and his wife too, um, they've been taking care of their son for, I mean, 41 years. And five years ago, because he, um, his wife was in poor health, so he decided to retire just to take care of his son. And then he, uh, this guy said, well, yes, you know, you, you said I'm a model father, but I'm just doing something that I think a father should do. It's nothing special. He said, as long as he's able to walk, to talk, he will do the best for his, for his, his son. son, right? And he said that the, the, because the son is it's a little bit, you know, um, is a hot-tempered person, and they, although he thought about, you know, sending his sons to some care homes, he, he 
thinks that you know some uh, other care workers are able to take care of him. Hmm. Um, so he decided to to do that in person. He and his wife. So it's wow. not easy for forty one years. And mm. you said he's hot tempered. I yeah, mean, it's right. Not- it's, it's not just a physical disability, right? It right. affects his personality, probably his mental um, his situations. Right. Yeah. 41 years, and also he decided to retire early because he can work in Taiwan. He, he can work until um, 65, and then he decided to, to retire when he turned 60. Aww. So he actually, you know, sacrificed a lot. Well, that's very sweet. What parents do for their children, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and the fact that he thinks that it's, it's nothing special. Hmm. It just shows how much he loves his son. That's that's really nice. The sound of the Amis tribe on Radio Taiwan International. to hear about Taiwan's oldest bookstore. Can you tell us about that? Guess how old is the bookstore? 100 years? Yeah, that's yes. what I was going to say. 109 <laughs> years. Oh, 109 oh, years. Wow. 109 years. This bookstore is in, in the central um, Taichung city. And then uh, it was founded by the first generation during the Japanese colonial period. But anyway, um, the, this bookstore uh, remodeled itself and then it reopened recently, 109 years ago. It offers not just physical books because um, a lot of people no longer read things from physical books. They use e-books. However, this, the, the fourth generation, the, the current owner says he doesn't think that physical books will be replaced by e-books because um, the physical books, books give you a different feel. Oh, they like, do. I agree. Right, it's totally different. But how he also admits that it's not to survive in this digital world is not easy. So, but fortunately, the bookstore owner also has other, um, you know, business such as um, publishing industry or publishing or also printing. So he does a lot. So um, it's fortunately that he um, they decided to reopen the bookstore and. Also, to attract more more public to visit the bookstore, this bookstore also offers services like counseling and spiritual guidance, something different. No, that's very different. Right. Spiritual very guidance? Spiritual mm-hmm. guidance and counseling, right. And what religion is that? I wonder. Um, I don't, general. It's probably not religion. <laughs> it's, my, it's about mind and body. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's special. Well, you know, I think books... Oh, do give you spiritual guidance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's yes. a good matchup, right? Yes. And they do help your mind and, and body and spirit. I, I do prefer, you know, like paperback books. Really? I mean, actual books. I mean, I can't imagine young people these days not only their own book and being able to write in it and draw in it and, I don't know, make it very something very personal if they use e-books. You know, it's just not the same. Well, I mean, you when could young highlight people just, in e-books. Yeah, but then it's still just not very personal. I don't know. I, know, I like ebooks because you can yeah. they, you, you can get them in one second, and True. then they you, they're all on your the same device, so you can always reference them. Yeah. Whereas books like they take up so much space, and then oh, I, I do like like writing in them. But, I know but, that's what I like. And you need a real light too. Like, yes. 
If you're on a device, you don't even need a light. You just have right, your device. Right, but it's not, not good for your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> not as good as flipping through papers and then smelling the paper and, you know, the feeling the cover. And I don't know. It's just, yeah, I think, I, I think, I don't think real books, you know, physical books are going to die completely. Mm. I think there's just something special about having real, you know, books that you can touch and write and feel and keep. So you use real books? You read real books? I do have a couple of yearbooks, but I've stopped reading them actually. Okay. How about <laughs> but um, yeah, I do have some. Yeah, so it, it's always nice, and then you can use, you know, find some really nice bookmarks, uh, right? And and that's very personable. That's so, true. So I don't know. I think you enjoy that. Yeah, I do. I do. How about Paula? I don't read e-books at all. I just don't like it. Oh, you don't like it, right? Really? Physical books are okay with me, but not e-books. Interesting. Mm. So see, you guys are two great potential customers right Right. (laughs) i'm sure there's a lot of people like you in taiwan and so we wish the best for that bookstore okay i want to tell you something else that's happening in taizong is actually um, you know, been uh, very popular this year because of the pandemic. People are not traveling and they're getting to know uh, Taiwan better. And Taiwan has a uh, big hike called the Seven Heroes of Gu Guan. Um, it's a group of well-known mid-level mountains in the Taizong area. And they, the city is promising to give anyone who finishes scaling those seven mountains by the end of the year they're going to get an official certificate a badge a backpack and also some hotel and tour discounts so i like um, that last part yeah me too i'm like (laughs) (laughs) certificate (laughs) hotel i like (laughs) so um you know in 2018 only about 200 people did this but last year 1,200 people did this. So um, this hike is growing and a lot of uh, domestic, you know, hikers have been talking about it. If you just do three out of seven, actually, you can get a few gifts. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Does that make you want to do this, Shirley? (laughs) No, I mean, I've I've come to like mountain climb or hiking these days. Really? Yeah, because uh, my daughter's in-laws, they love hiking. So we've gone on two trips with them already. And um, it, we're just loving it to the point where my husband and I have gotten these trekking poles. Oh, wow. And then good. he's got like a sun hat, you know, <laughs> and invested in some, um, what do you call it, cooling shirts, you know, oh, and pants. That's good. What kind for of material is that made of? I don't cool. know. But you don't know? They're thin and um, mm. they're, they're cooling. Yeah, they're cooling. But where, um, where did you go? Where did yeah, you where go did you hiking? go hiking? Um, uh, just recently we went to, we went to, what is it now? Guan Wu. And which is in Miaoli. Oh, wow. It's about 2,000 some kilometers, you know, above sea level. That's great. Yeah. It's great exercise for you guys. I know. It was really, I'm really, really nice. We guys. Um, it was quite a long trek. We took three and a half hours. But um, everybody was like looking to my husband to figure out how far I can go because he's kind of heavy set. So we decided that we were going to go right to the very first um, old tree. Um, it's like uh, 200 years old. No, wait a minute. 200 or was it 2000 2000 year year old tree so it was really nice that we decided to turn back only after we've seen the very first you know like old century old tree uh, yeah that was really nice track and it was in in the woods in the forest so it's not like we were uh, you know we weren't 
being tormented by the sun or it's anything like that. It's probably cooler too, right? Yeah, it was, it was very sunny. It was a very nice day, but um, very nice track. So we're looking forward to the next one. Well, you know, they're giving a 60% discount for Howard Prince Hotel in Taizong. I mean, oh, okay. you might consider. Wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I'm trying. Oh no, I did say I did stay at a, a Howard. Um, what is it? Howard Hotel. Howard Plaza. Yeah, but but that was another one. That was at over the Shimin Reservoir. Okay. Yeah, nice so, one. So, um, if you guys want to take up the challenge, you can get some freebies, and you can be one of the heroes <laughs> <laughs> who climbed these seven mountains. So, anyways, I think people are rediscovering Taiwan, oh, yeah, right? Definitely. Now that we're here, I mean, we're lucky to be free to be able to travel and, mm. and within Taiwan. And, and it's outdoors, so it's, yeah, it's safe from COVID-19. That, that's true. Yeah. All that Taiwan has to offer. Like, I went to an outlying island. I'm like, this is kind of like Hawaii, almost. <laughs> Which it's island? It's so much cheaper. Xiaoliuqiu. Oh, I nice. I mean, the snorkeling is similar. It's, uh-huh. it, it's comparable. You yeah. Know? I mean, the accommodations maybe not, but it, it's, still, it's still a very nice experience. It's yeah. so much cheaper and convenient. Right. So we're discovering the mountains and the sea and mm. a lot that Taiwan has to offer. How about you, Paula? Have you done any travel domestically not recently because it you know it's too hot too stuffy hot? right sweltering yeah. heat i couldn't stand it also oh, just stay which indoors? is true yeah yeah okay so anyways that's what's going on in taizong Shirley, tell us about a grandma who made the news for playing video games. That's right. We're talking about in Sanghua County, um, this 98-year-old um, ama, grandma, called uh, Wei Jinghua. She was actually, uh, uh, she actually run a department store like years ago. I mean, she's retired now. And 20 years ago, she started liking video games. And it was only because, you know, she was watching her grandchildren play video games and she was bored, so she thought, oh, let me give it a try, too. And then she fell in love with it. Really? And wow. so, you know, like <laughs> from, cute. yeah, playing Tetris to um, Dr. Mario. I mean, these are like, you know, Do- Dr. Mario, do you know, you guys, you know, it's funny because I have to look it up. I don't, I'm not even to these games. But Dr. Mario is eliminating these virus characters by dropping capsules. Oh. So Dr. Mario, you know Mario, right? Uh-huh. But this is Dr. Mario. Oh. And then, and then the Tetris, you know, we know of the dropping blocks, right, right? Right. Yeah. So anyway, so she's just playing those and she's gone on to even more like higher level difficulty kind of games beyond those. And um, so she would start playing her video games starting at 3 p.m. till about six, because then she has to go into, you know, she'll have dinner. But it has really made her like mind more clear. She is more, yeah. Like, you know, become wise or something like that. Become uh, wise? Though, <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe um, more a reflect, like reflex. better reflex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also she, she does actually have problem hearing and she, you know, she has problem walking fast, but her mind is very clear. And um, she used to take walks in, you know, like go on these hiking trails, but now she would just do exercise at home. Like, you know, um, I don't know, and so it's like swinging your arms. Kind and of like calisthenics. Uh, like, like calisthenics. A, oh, okay, yeah. And she she's vegetarian, so but she's very positive, very, you know, optimistic kind of person. Oh, so, that must help. Yeah. Her life. 98 so, years old. 98. Amazing. That's and, and amazing. Maybe she, I'm showing this picture games. of her. 
She's she's oh, either in so a cute. nursing home or something, but she's sitting down and she's got this remote control in her hand, right? Playing, she's playing a video game. I wonder if she plays she's with other 98. people. They must get a kick out of this if they knew how old she was. <laughs> I know she's ninety-eight. You know, I have so. actually read that video games actually does have some benefits, though I never want to tell my kids that. <laughs> I don't want to. I'm telling you, when my son <laughs> became, you know, addicted to video games, I mean, not so much anymore, but when she did, when he did, he actually saw an article saying that video games is good for your brain. And he showed me this article. See? <laughs> right. And eye motor coordination. <laughs> right. And stuff like I that. Mean, I mean, I don't totally, you know, disagree with these things, That's but true. just don't get overboard. Right. Don't right. spend all your days doing this right yeah <laughs> yeah balance your activities but i think it's great uh, that this grandma is mm. enjoying herself you guys know about a film festival a taiwan film festival and this has just begun this week um it's called the taiwan film festival of boston and what's exciting about it is that actually it's on online mm. so the whole world can uh buy tickets and enjoy the films and they're featuring films from taiwan so for the first time it's online because of yeah, COVID 19 right oh, last okay. year it was in boston uh, a physical film festival so it's the second year and um in august so every month they're going to feature some films that you can watch and you can also participate in forums they're going to have special guests uh, related to the film where you can talk to them or um you know engage yourself so this month um august there's a series called lost and found it's actually featuring an old film from 1967 called foolish bride naive bridegroom and uh, this director, Xin Qi, he uses a very exaggerated style to portray the challenges that a young couple has, you know, a married couple in balancing uh, their ideas of romantic love and then traditional um, rigid, you know, uh, roles for marriage for men and women. And they're trying to, to kind of mock, you know, all the stereotypes. I'm kind of curious now <laughs> about yeah. love, about marriage, about men and women and stuff like that. And the sec another film was um, one from last year. It's called Like Father, Like Daughter. And it's directed by Chris Leong. And his main character is a father who was a strong proponent of marrying for love when he was young. And now his daughter um, has a girlfriend. Oh. And so how he deals with that. And it's also set in Taiwan's um, passing of the same-sex marriage law last year. So these are some films talking about love, I guess, or different... Yeah. So this is like an annual festival, isn't it? It's an annual festival. And so they show Taiwanese films in Boston. Right. But oh, now they're online. And they're going to be showing films uh, beginning this month all the way to the end of the year. So you can check that out. It's called the Taiwan Film Festival of Boston. So you might want to check that out. Some interesting films. So um, that's all we have for you today and here in Taiwan. And do stay tuned for just the classics. For here in Taiwan, I'm Natalie So. I'm Shirley Lin. And then Paula Chow. We'll see you next time.
What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm. What do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. Dinner is served. Join Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights. Andrew, I thought we said no more intestines. <clears throat> That's on Feast Meets West every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International, radio for refined palates. Blacklisted. That's not a word you hear used too often in Taiwan today. Here, musicians and lyricists can and do create songs as they please. But as recently as 1990, it was the censors who held the final say about what music was allowed. During Taiwan's many decades under martial law, and even a few years after, bureaucrats sat around listening to new music and deciding what to ban, sometimes seemingly at random. Even the most famous artists and the best-loved songs weren't immune, and the official reasoning for bands, when there was one, could be downright bizarre. Welcome to Just the Classics. I'm John Van Trieste, and in this subversive edition of the program, we're going back in time for a tour of Taiwan's banned songs. We're going to hear some of the most famous examples and the stories about why someone in the government felt the need to try and stamp them out. To be clear, censorship of music in Taiwan goes back further than the martial law era. But from the start of martial law in the late 1940s, the number of blacklisted songs would quickly multiply, filling up whole books. Times were tense, and the government had reason to be on edge. The government lost the Chinese Civil War against Chinese communists and had to retreat from the Chinese mainland altogether. It would have to settle in its last safe bastion, Taiwan, but here, too, there were problems. The island had just seen a massive popular uprising, and the government had launched a vicious crackdown. Obviously, purely political songs were going to be banned from the start. But what's surprising is how many of the banned songs had nothing to do with politics. For instance, any song the government found too depressing might find itself on the blacklist. In addition to politics, it turns out the censors also didn't like songs that reflected the truth of just how miserable life could be at the time. So this famous 1949 song about a poor unemployed man forced to sell rice dumplings on the street, well, it got the axe. This song is called Xiu Ba Zhang, and it remains a famous classic today. Shall 
Other songs banned for being too depressing include the 1958 hit Mama Take Care of Yourself, which, like many other popular songs of the day, is a Taiwanese cover of an earlier Japanese song. The heartbreak of separation in the song was thought to be just too demoralizing for any soldier who might have happened to hear it. Also banned for being too sad was this 1967 song from Xie Lei, Hu Jiu Man Bei, A Cup Full of Bitter Alcohol. But then, songwriters also had to be careful not to go too far in the opposite direction either. 
an old song called Fine Alpine Milkmen, made famous by British bandleader Jack Hilton, and then re-recorded in Japan, made its way from there to Taiwan, where it got a new makeover. But the government found this cheerful yodel-filled song too silly and light-hearted for the time. Banned. And even slightly romantic or suggestive songs also got the ban too. So you couldn't be too sad or too cheerful, and you couldn't be romantic either. What if you tried to write a song that was none of those things? Well, you could still get into big trouble there too. Cold War paranoia was in the air, and it was easy for bureaucrats to find supposedly hidden messages in just about anything. Here's 1969's Today I Won't Come Home, 今天不回家, sung by Yao Su Rong. Now to be fair, there are a few different stories about why exactly this song was banned, but according to one of them, the censors saw the title as meaning that the government would never go home. That is, we take mainland China from the Chinese communists. songs from before the Cold War that were already classics weren't necessarily exempt. The untouchable Teresa Tang herself had to sing altered lyrics when she covered the 1930s classic When Will You Return? It seems some censor decided that the word for you in the song's title was code. It does sound just like the word for army. Instead of longing for you to return, the singer might be longing for an army. And what if that army might be communist? Lyrics changed.
point, the banning of songs was a little bit more haphazard than you might have expected. There were different government bodies banning different songs at different times, without apparently coordinating between them. From the 1970s on though, it seems that the government got its act together. The bans became more systematic, and the government also released a list of standardized reasons for why songs might be banned. Among the offenses a song could be charged with were, quote, farcical or odd content endangering minds and bodies of the youth or, quote, incorrectly reflecting the mood of the times, thus misleading the public. The old rules about not being too depressing or suggestive were also put on the list. Here's a well-known example of one song that went too far in the area of suggestiveness. It's one of singer Ouyang Feifei's most popular tracks, the 1973 hit Desert of Passion, Rexing的 沙漠. Like a lot of the songs we've heard today, it too is a cover of an earlier Japanese song, made famous by the Japanese duo The Peanuts. Did you notice the ah sound? It's probably the song's most famous part, and just that alone was supposedly enough to put the whole song on the blacklist. Shamoli 
在琴声和，陶醉在沙漠里的小爱河。Singer Qi Yu's 1979 classic Gan Lan Shu or Olive Tree was also banned, and it's hard to tell exactly what the issue was. I've seen different sources point to different problems in the lyrics, but the song was never really political. You don't even have to understand Chinese to get a feeling for how romantic and full of wanderlust the song is. But it didn't matter. Banned.
1980, all songs on all records were supposedly checked beforehand, with each track supposedly given a serial number indicating approval. The censorship system had been in place for a long time by now, and while the censors still could sometimes be temperamental and a bit weird, songwriters and record companies generally understood how the game worked. Even into the 1980s, as censorship restrictions seemed to relax a bit, self-censorship was still the order of the day. The lines stood where they stood, and while getting through the censors was easier than it had ever been before, there were certain things you couldn't say. For instance, on his 1982 debut album, singer Luo Dayo had to change a part of his song Zhihu Ye, an anthem against the old, obsolete, archaic, and stale, that took a less than discreet jab at the censorship system itself. He grudgingly changed the lyrics. Here's the revised version that made the cut. In 1987, something remarkable happened. Decades of martial law came to an end, and very slowly, Taiwan began to turn into a democracy. But old habits die hard. The first direct presidential election would only come in 1996, and the old censorship system hung around for a few more years too. It ended in 1990, and here is one of the last songs to get censored. It's called Minju Atao, or Democracy Bumpkin, a 1989 Hokkien language example of what lines you still couldn't cross. It opens with a pretty bad rendition of the national anthem, and goes into lyrics deemed too politically sensitive, even for the post-martial law era. Unlike the older band songs, this one is pretty much entirely political, discussing democracy, police, and protests. It's the kind of song that's actually hard to imagine having much mainstream success today, at a time when freedom of speech and expression are just taken for granted. As you can hear today, the bands against all of these songs came tumbling down. And the fact that they had once been banned has given them extra historical weight, a kind of seriousness that a lot of them probably wouldn't have otherwise had. In the Taiwanese consciousness, they've become more than just songs. They become classics. I'm John Van Trieste, and I'll see you again soon.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. <laughs> 